Englishman We talking drama and movie classics Whatever you want, yo we have it Cause we talking movies on a podcast So I married a film critic So I married a film critic So I married a film critic Hey honey, I just wanna talk so about the movie Like casually, critic. you don't have to so bring I up married- the Cinematography, honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic. I'm your co-host Julia. And I'm Barry the Film Critic. Hello everyone. And tonight we are starting one month of Marty's movie month. Cue the intro. That's right, everyone. My dear brother and the show's producer, Marty, has picked a month's worth of movies that Julie and I have never seen before and have never even heard of, starting with Other People by writer-director Chris Kelly. That's right. Are you still listening after that? If you are, thank you. We watched Other People from 2016, and that is currently playing on Netflix, and it's your brother's pick for us. Yeah, the the pick for this week, and uh, we'll have a month of other films that will be chosen. And it's an interesting pick. I I do love this idea because it's, it's, it's not only movies that I've never seen, I've never watched the trailer, I've never heard of these films, I completely missed them. And this this one's really embarrassing because Molly Shannon won Best Supporting Actress, Best Female Performance um, at the at the um, uh, Indie Film Award, Indie Spirit. I'm sorry, Indie Spirit Awards, and and you figured that would be enough to you know inspire me to to seek this thing out, but no, I just it it completely passed me by. And I think this is this is one of those movies I think Marty told me about like two or three times, and I'm like, yeah, I'll get, it. I'll, I definitely want to see that from the way he described it. I was really excited to see it, and. And you know what I'm blaming? The title. Mm. And we we don't need to talk about that explicitly right now, but that title. The title? Other I, People. Yeah. What other people? Underwhelming. Well, I know what it means. Yes. And we'll get... They use it twice in the film. So yeah. it's it's actually a line, a quote from the film. But yeah, the title blows and it's easy. It's, <laughs> it's easy. forgettable. <laughs> Completely. And the film is so much better than that title. I mean, I know that it's like, Barry, calm down. Well, no, like... If you're gonna have a film that's about what this movie's about, give give it something, some weight. I mean, it drives me crazy. There's so many movies with like, there's a movie that I really like that we both saw with James Gandolfini and Julie Louise Dreyfus. Remember, it's called Enough Said. Oh yeah. What the heck is that? Like these stupid titles. And so it goes, and as good as it gets, and it goes to show you, like <laughs> stupid nothing titles, like. Like and and I, I know what's the other idea you know like the other side of that is you pick something really pretentious like snow falling on cedars but at least if you if you've seen the film there is snow falling on cedars okay, in the film. at least right. there's there's something there but yeah this is this is just word nonsense okay he's going on a on a trail rabbit trail okay who would like back. this movie other people <laughs> all right well other people is the story of Joanne played by Molly Shannon and her last year of life she has cancer i like that you're framing it that way yes i mean it's basically about her son but no that's really cool i like that you're oh yeah i know i would have said it's about it's about her son played by jesse plemons but no i I agree with you i mean not only is shannon awesome in this movie to kind of bury the lead but yeah okay well 
she's the mother, the matriarch of this family, and she's the glue that holds everybody together. Yeah. That's what we see throughout the course of the movie. So it it is about her last year of life. And yeah, it's about her son David and his relationships with his with the mom and the dad and his sisters, but and everybody else. And yeah, and everybody, but um the, I mean the opening scene is Joanne is dead in the bed and the whole family is laying on the bed next to her and everybody's crying and it um <laughs> the phone rings and this is where you kind of get the tone of this movie because it's very sad but then the phone rings and they let it go to voicemail and it's like hi joanne this is you know her friend whatever her name is and you know i heard you were really sick and i just wanted to get in touch with you and you know please call me when you get a chance and oh oh hold on uh yeah i need a coke what you don't have coke <laughs> so it's, it's just insufferable it's yeah just her and it goes on and on going yeah. through the drive-thru arguing with a guy about you know do they have coke or pepsi and the family's just laying on the bed like Joanne has just died and we're having to listen to this. And then, I mean, it does go on way too long, (laughs) which makes it funnier. But then she's like, oh, oh, sorry about that. Okay. All right. Um, Well, call me when you can. (laughs) So that's the opening scene. And then we go back to the beginning of the year, a year later. Yeah. Or a year year earlier, a year Mm -hmm. earlier. And so then the movie's going to take us through every month of that year with the title cards. Um, and so we open again at a Christmas party. So it's a year earlier and we haven't seen Joanne yet, but, um, you know, everybody's there, family, friends, and that's where we meet David and he's home from New York. He's kind of a struggling writer and we learn that he had um, sold a pilot to Comedy Central, and it didn't really ever get picked up. So he's been living in New York at trying to make it, and then finds out mom is sick. She's got cancer. So he comes home to Sacramento, and this is where we start. So I don't know. Your thoughts? Well, Shannon um, is so commanding in this. She's underrated as an actress oddly enough because I, I think most people would say that she's probably one of the 10 if not one of the five greatest women who was ever on snl in terms of what she contributed how brilliant she is but she can act she's not just a sketch comedian and there's nothing wrong with being a sketch comedian obviously especially if you're on that level um but she's that and then she's this she is so completely uh, emotionally generous for this movie from her opening scene, we understand why why her son loves her so much. We see what a force of nature she is. Um, she's fantastic, and we we fall in love with her immediately. I I felt a certain amount of distance with the son character, the main protagonist, the entire film, but with Molly Shannon's character Joanne, it I immediately understand. Like okay, like we we. We can clearly she, see how how strong she is in her in her family in the family dynamic. Well, she's the heart and soul of this movie, yeah. and I think the heart and soul of this family. Mm-hmm. So there's no way you don't love her. Yeah. I mean, you see her in their opening scene, 
in this like 70s dress and it's like glittery and sparkly and she's telling David about, you know, the first time she ever wore the dress and it's just a very warm, happy moment and you kind of are like, oh, and she has cancer. This is crazy. So, oh, okay. Another thing I wanted to mention was David calls Paul and he leaves him a message and says, so mom's fine or she's, you know, fake fine or whatever. So we don't know who Paul is at this point, but we do find out it's his ex-boyfriend of five years. They dated for five years. So, um, that, that becomes like a key, another key character. So then, uh, January opens with Joanne puking. And so now we're like into the cancer storyline and, um, we're kind of seeing David walk around the house. This is where we learn that he sold that pilot to Comedy Central. And, and, you know, he's doing things like going to the store and doing grocery shopping. And he's running into, what, high school friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he sees a friend at the at the store and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I saw online that you're a writer. I'm a writer, too. And, um, you know, just like fan fiction and stuff like that. And what are you what are you doing? And. He lies and says he's a writer for SNL. (laughs) So, you know, then they have this awkward conversation about how he came out to his family and that his mom has cancer. It's like one of those awkward conversations that you have when you haven't seen somebody for years. And it's like, why am I telling this person these intimate details of my life? Yeah, it's agonizing and it feels completely real. Yeah. The scene works because of how cringeworthy it is and how long it goes on for. Um, Because the guy he's talking to clearly means well, but he's ridiculous. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, oh, your mom has cancer. Uh, Basically, he he gets her um, a Redbox movie. And he's like, no, it's fine. I mean, yeah, what is she like? What does she like to watch? It's like, okay, you know what? It's like small town life. One, well, okay, Sacramento's not a small town. I know, but that's how this film feels. Like, oh. it, you know, I, I never get a sense of Sacramento being what it is at what we know it to be. This movie, it does feel like a very small community. I never had the sense of it. You know. Yeah, I I would never have thought it was in Sacramento had yeah. they not said it right. was Sacramento. If this had been like Elizabethtown, you know, that kind of a film That's where they established true. that it's a small hub, I would have, I think that more um, believable. Yeah, um, because some of the characters are extremely hip, and some of the characters, you know, are so, you know, they're they're it seems like th- this is the island they've lived on their entire life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Then we get to February, and this is where we meet David's friend, Gabe. He's, what, a high school friend again? And he's like, come on, I'm going to take you to the most fabulous gay bar in Sacramento. (laughs) Which is not fabulous, but it's just... It's very dreary. A very typical, just normal bar, I guess. (laughs) We know so much about bars. Yeah. You and I. Right. Um, So... But Gabe, Gabe's character kind of helps us learn more about David and, you know, they talk about how David's dad cut him off when he came out and just kind of, I think like cut him off, like seriously, like financially and emotionally. And, um, 
And then he said that his mom shaved her head recently, even though we, we don't really see that scene. Um, and so he emotionally, I felt like the scene was honest where he talks about when his mom dies, he doesn't feel like he's going to have any parents anymore. Cause he's not close to his dad. His dad doesn't, the only thing his dad talks to him about is like, Hey, I got you that gym membership. Uh, you know, they have boxing there. Like you should check that out. It's a functional relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And David's like, yeah, great gym membership. Like, I don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. The, the father's played by Bradley Whitford. Who is, who I love, actually. The thing about this actor that continues to impress me decade after decade is he's such a good and, and you know, it's such a versatile amount of roles and stuff. And I feel, you know, and I'm not completely steady with everything that he's done, but I've seen so much of his work. And I rarely, if ever, see him play a remotely sympathetic character. And I love that about him. He's a working actor. He doesn't care about getting the romantic lead or the action lead or anything. He just plays characters, sinks his teeth in deeply, and does it so real. Um, And most of the characters he plays are weasels. They're jerks, or so much worse than that. And I feel like there's a generation that now knows him because of Get Out. (laughs) Like He's been... Well, he's a handmaid's tale. And uh, also, of course, Billy Madison. And everything in between. I mean, he's he's had such an amazing career. But for the most part, he, he doesn't play sympathetic characters. And instead of, you know, being typecast, he's always different in everything. He may look the same, but he's always wildly different in everything that he does. I actually didn't recognize him in this. Cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, who is that guy? And then at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. 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 Because he just kind of blends in. Yeah, with, he's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not the, in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. No, there, there's no, there's no uh, sore spots in the cast. Everyone is is wonderful in this mm-hmm, movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, then we. Anything else you want to say about Gabe? Uh I feel like the movie doesn't know what to do with this character, and he's on hand so that our protagonist has someone to talk to. I yeah. don't feel like these scenes go anywhere. Yeah. I feel like they're material for another film. because there's a lot of there's there's scenes in this we'll we'll get to eventually there's a there's a blind date sequence there's there's some scenes in this movie that that feel like it's material that another film really could have used and this one it's just helping pad the runtime or maybe give a little variety so that it's not strictly about a character dying but that's what this film is so i feel like it when it strays too far away from ollie shannon's character I feel like the movie's just kind of wasting its time, frankly. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll talk more about that. But um, then we get to March and, you know, we see that this family goes to church and then they go to a restaurant. And um, I mean, there are funny parts, you know, where David's at the restaurant and he's like, I'd like to order three medium chocolate milkshakes with no whipped cream and like the guy taking the order just cannot get it right well it's a really funny scene because the (laughs) setup is that from the gay bar scene we know that this guy does his own amateur gay porn oh yeah we're watching it on the phone at the bar so now now he is in line 
and it's this studly dude with a tattoo who is so inept at his job. <laughs> and it's great. Like the, the payoff is great. There's an unspoken punchline that there's cream in all the coffees, even though he has not to. Uh, if anything, I would have liked more of this character. I wanted so much more of this character. I'm like, yes, make him the make him the the uh, the new love interest. Like um, I would have totally been down. I kind for of that. thought they were gonna go. In I that was hoping. Direction. So like this this guy is funny. I mean, I mean, he's so stupid. I mean, I I don't know that the. I don't know that we're even supposed to like this character, but <laughs> oh, he's like, what size do you want? He's like medium. Cause he'd already said his whole order. And he's like, okay. And, uh, whipped cream. He's like, no whipped cream. And then when they, when he brings all the shakes, it's like all have whipped cream. So, you know, there are some funny, just some funny jokes that, well, this movie was written and yeah. directed by, by, you know, Chris Kelly wrote for SNL. He, uh, you know, I mean, he has a long list of, of amazing credits. He's writing for, he wrote it for a, um, a, a different project that he and Molly Shannon did a couple of years ago. Um, so he, he's clearly a gifted comedy writer. It's funny that Jesse Plemons is playing the role. And like, like every movie I've ever seen about comedy writers, he's depressed. He's never funny. <laughs> you know, I've never seen he's, a movie about a comedy writer where they're like, they're always miserable, he's unhappy. He's the types. least funny character in this movie. And forgive me, like, I don't know a lot of comedy writers, so maybe this is the thing. Maybe comedy writers are all these very morose types, but I just, I find it, but even like going back to like Woody Allen movies or like Christian Bale and Knight of Cups, they always get these guys who are so morose. You would never think they write, you know, and look, maybe I'm just... It's my ignorance because I mean, what do comedy writers like? Hey, how you doing? I got a funny idea. Like, no, I'm sure comedy <laughs> writers aren't like that all the time. I get it, but at the same time, like, I've never seen a movie about a comedy writer where there's any joy to the profession. It always, it always strikes me like, man, these guys are like Edgar Allan Poe. They're so unhappy to, about writing funny material. Yeah, I mean, Molly Shannon is really funny. So they're sitting at this restaurant and. The dad is kind of going over her end of life paperwork, you know, with her and David. And they're talking about like, you know, do you want to be buried or cremated? And she's like, I don't want to be cremated. I don't want to be lit on fire. They're like, well, that's not really how it works. No, I hate fires. I hate camping. I'm not doing that. And she's like, is there an option to be frozen? And they're like, well, we, we can look into that. She's like, yeah, I want to be frozen and sit on the couch and make sure that you don't cheat on me. <laughs> to be clear, like Molly Shannon is not doing shtick of any kind. No, she's and, not. No, no, you're not indicating that with your with your well with your play I by play. I am not gonna be as funny as her. I, I the the bad part about talking about this movie is it's probably not gonna sound very funny. But let's face it, the movie isn't very funny. It's a movie about cancer. This is not this is not a laugh out loud that's comedy. That's true. I did laugh out loud a few times. I think you laughed more than I did. Yeah, I yeah, did. Yeah. Well, that's because I will laugh at almost anything. Here's a, uh, another fun topic. Um, cremation. No. I'm not gonna, we talked about this. I, don't I, know know. We, I, know, I know we talked about it. I just want to... I'm not going to be burned up, okay? I don't, how would you like it if somebody set you on fire? No, thank you. Well, it's not like they... Light you, you know. I mean, no, you're, I don't want to be lit on fire. I don't like that. I don't like camping, and I don't like fires, and I don't want to be personally lit on fire. No, I want to be frozen. Do they have that as an option? Frozen? Can I be frozen? You want to be Check frozen? Check the frozen option. Frozen like a pea? Yeah, exactly, like a pea. 
Um, I want to be frozen and then propped up on our couch in our living room, and I can watch you to make sure you don't cheat on me when I'm gone. <laughs> You're gonna make, make sure. I think it's I funny, but it, that's what I'm gonna do. But you won't have eyes because you donated your eyes. Mm, that's too bad. No, no. I guess I'll be buried. This scene that you're describing, though, this is the scene that pulled me into the movie. Because mm. I, I really had a hard time. For one thing, I had a hard time figuring out who it everybody took you, is. It took you four months. <laughs> four months in movie four time. Four months in movie time to get into, to it. Get into it. Yeah, I really wasn't caring for it other than the performances were jumping out of me. But like, I there's so many, they introduced so many characters. I'm like, who are these people? How are they all connected? Yeah, um, it, that, yeah that part was confusing at the beginning. Yeah, because they... I want to I wanna know. I want to know who they are. But also we have, you know, I'm not picking on Jesse Plemons, but we have a main character who is mush-mouthed and introverted. So I'm like, who are you? What's going on with you? I want to know who your boyfriend is. I want to know what you're writing. Tell us, please. Um, oh yeah, we never know what he's writing about. No, we don't know what no. his pilot is. We're like, are you okay? Is this supposed to? That would have be? been nice to get kind of a you know kind of inside his creative process. Maybe yeah. maybe that's another obviously that's another movie, but still that would have been nice because as is it's like going to a family reunion or going to a get together where you don't know anybody and you're just kind of walking around, you're kind of awkwardly meeting people. That's what this movie's like for for a lot of it. Yeah. And once we, you know, it, it helps that it's been so well cast because, you know, Whitford is so brilliant. He really can add those layers. Like you, you get him in the role, like there's a sense of like history already there and he brings it. But at the same time, the character is a sketch. We don't know exactly why he's, what, a homophobe, why he's... Yeah, like, and we never find out. Never do. And, you know, it's not that the film has to tell us everything and show all its cards, but because because there's that lack of development it keeps it certainly kept me from really engaging with everything because there's so many characters here who are strictly one note i mean we're not we haven't even talked about the sisters who were wonderfully cast this maude apatow mm -hmm. and uh, madison Beatty, who we've met do you remember this no this we is met i'll tell you really crazy yeah and, and met is an exaggeration um did we meet her no, oh, we had an opportunity. Well, no, no, I'll tell you exactly. I'll tell you exactly what happened. Okay, this is crazy. So you and I went to the Colorado premiere of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. She played young Kate Blanchett, and before the movie started, they're like, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have Madison Beatty in the audience because she's a she's from Colorado." She stood up and she said hi, and she met a bunch of people, and she was all friendly and all what, that. Was she like ten at the time? Yes, she was very, <laughs> very young. And when the movie was over, I, I think like, you know, I gave her like a smile and a wave, like, congratulations. But there were all these people like having her sign their programs and stuff. And you, uh, and I, I just, I didn't do it. I'm like, she's a child. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to descend to the, well, you signed my Benjamin Button pro No. That's weird. No, it, yeah. So I did not. Um, but I, she was there, and she's had a very distinguished career. She was in The Master, which is my favorite film in 2012. She's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino film. So she's she's got a lot of work. Um, but, you know, and Maude Apatow, of course, playing the other sister. Anyway, they're both wonderful actresses, and they're playing the sisters. And that's it. Yeah. Who are these people? We don't know. Like, And again, like it, it helps so much that the casting is so good, because otherwise I'm going, who are these characters oh okay so i think like the movie maybe is just assuming that since he's showing that this family like goes to church that that's why they weren't accepting of david's you know coming out but okay it's not enough I mean, yeah it's not enough because even as i'm seeing like david in the in the 
you know, in the pew with the whole family. I'm like, what is this dynamic? Is this the most torturous thing? Is it routine? Like, you know, what what is it like to be someone who's completely divorced with this and being forced? It, it just give us something. There's yeah. just not, you know, it, it's like a setup without any kind of context. Mm-hmm. So Agreed. Yeah. So, oh, but then, okay, so just back to like the part where she doesn't want to be yeah, cremated. cremated. Finally, David says, you know, I saw this thing called a green burial and they just dig a hole and they put you in the earth without a casket. Just like, she's like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> like, okay. I mean, honestly, it's probably like a better way to be buried than to actually put like, I don't know varnished wood into the ground but you know like <laughs> you're really thinking about this well i kind of was because i was like i wonder if that just would be better like you know so so is this your decision I, well no i could use this it's... like in a in court she said this back in 2022 your honor she really really wants so you want me to just bury you in the ground with no casket, just willy nilly, just your no, your... no, no, not willy nilly in a cemetery. It's it's in okay, a cemetery. Oh, okay, in a cemetery. Yeah, but I mean, you want like your your stiff as a board corpse to just we just plunk it on the just ground, lower me down. That's wow, what they said. That's so grisly. I know. Do you think that's weird? Well, like, well, I mean, I, mine is much more normal. Um, I want to be cremated, but like Hunter S. Thompson, I want my ashes to be shot out of a cannon. That is never happening. A Civil War cannon. Wow. A Civil War reenactment cannon. Here Excuse is me. my actual real thoughts on this. Okay. I feel like the person who is dead does it don't they don't have a say anymore. Oh, so I know. Oh this man. is my this, You're really trying to be controversial I know, tonight. This is an unpopular opinion, but I feel like whoever is in charge of your like body when you die whether it's like your spouse or your parents or whoever is in charge like they get to decide because they're the ones doing it wow so like if i'm just like you know what julia really wanted her ashes spread but you know we're just gonna drop it in the little brea tar pit no one's gonna know that you know what you you have to live with your choices and your own conscience so if i say something that i would like and you decide not to do it well that's on you it's my unpopular opinion. Man. Like when people are like, this is what she would have wanted. I'm like, she's not even here anymore. You know, that's something my father told me at a young age. He's like, funerals are for the living. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a, well, it's a good it's point. True. No, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's true. But, you know, it's it's a way to keep them alive in a sense. It's like, you know, this is what they would have wanted. You know, we were, oh, you know, he's looking down on us and smiling. That whole. I know, but. At a certain point, like... Like, you having fun? <laughs> How does it look down it, up there, eh? Like, all right, I've, I've like, I got you the, like, hot Chips pink, and dip, huh? The hot Just like you would like. You wanted, and we have all your favorite flowers. We put together, like, this big old... It's like, I'm grieving, and now I have to do all this stuff for you. <laughs> you know? Seriously. I won't be specific about it at all, but you and I did go to a funeral one time where... They had a mixtape of the deceased's favorite songs. And I remember one point it was like Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio <laughs> and Wake Me Up Before You Go Go. And I'm like, this is embarrassing. Like, wow. Like, 
Like, don't don't ever play my mixtapes after I'm gone. I don't want people to know what terrible taste I and had. And I still have them. They're right over there. Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Please. Like, you could bury those with me. If I get cremated, add the tapes as fuel. Kidling. <laughs> okay. So. Okay. So moving on to April, um, we see Joanne at the hospital crying mm. and... Her, oh, it's agonizing. It's agonizing. Agonizing this scene. Because David and his sisters are like right outside. Yeah. And she's like, I can't do this anymore. The tumors are still growing. Like it's not working. And she she decides to um, quit the chemo at this point. And she's like, I'd rather have a few good months than just like agonizing years. And... You know, I respect that. I respect that decision. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, but she just doesn't want her kids to think that she's given up, you know, even though what she's going through is unbelievably painful. It's horrifying to see. Uh, Shannon's going to some very, very painful places here. And, and uh, the scene, even though we're we're watching the scene the way the characters are, we're seeing her through the sliver of a door frame. Um, and it's horrifying. And that makes it even more real. Because mm-hmm. that's what you do. That's how you see these conversations. That's how you hear these moments that you don't want to watch. You don't want to be witness to. And you, you can hear them in the next room. Yeah, there's a, there's something brutally honest about this sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, then we, we move on to May. And David is sitting with his grandparents in their motorhome. It's Paul Dooley, a wonderful character actor. Um, and uh, June Squibb, the Oscar nominee from... Um, she was in about Schmidt. She plays Jack Nicholson's wife. wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I haven't seen her in a while, which is why I was kind of slow to remember that. But yes, yeah, June Squibb is awesome. I love that she's still doing all these movies. So they play Joanne's parents. Yeah, and they are just really silly. I mean, they're telling all these stories about gruesome stories. Gruesome stories. Yeah, yeah like death and. You know, so you remember so and so? Yeah, she had her head chopped off, and then she was swimming in the lake for like thirty minutes. It wasn't thirty minutes. You know, you know how couples can get when they've been together for a really long time, kind of like you and me. Yeah, like finishing each other's stories. This is basically us in forty years. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, so you can tell. Lucky. David is just like okay. I need to get out of here, but he's like, I'm gonna go use the bathroom, and they're like yelling at him. <laughs> David, do you remember? <laughs> He's like, I'm in the bathroom. So he can't even go to the bathroom. So he decides to leave. And then finally, a moment of honesty where the grandpa says, like, you know, she's your mom, but she's our little girl. And this is really hard. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the movie kind of goes back and forth between silly, mundane things and really honest moments the honest moments are the ones i think that it's a first screenplay um even though chris kelly has written so much great television at this even at this point and 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 subsequently but it's a first screenplay and it's the first time you ever directed it's not a bad script at all there's greatness in it but i do feel like it needed a couple more drafts and it could have gotten gotten rid of a lot of the excess baggage of it and it's not that the film is overlong it's not it's actually very tight but I, yeah, I, I feel like the the emotional power of it sometimes is undermined by 
the comedic moments that feel like they're fighting how tough this movie is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's comedy moments that feel real and others like the grandpa telling a story about a decapitated swimmer. It feels written. Yeah. Where you're like, okay. It's like, this is a comedy writer trying to make this not agonized. But you know what, Chris Kelly, this is from your life. This is a semi-autobiographical. Make it painful. Make it harrowing. Make it torturous. Because... To an extent, like, there's something I'm sure that was so cathartic about him writing this script in the first place. It's like, look, just just, just go there. Because mm-hmm. clearly he is ready to, and clearly the cast is. We don't need the scene later on where Jesse Plemons is barfing on a, on a bad blind date. It's like, I don't even care if that really happened. The scene serves no purpose mm-hmm. and there's there's a couple of those in this movie where it's like you know this there's such there's such greatness in this but it, for a movie that's as tight as it is it's got a lot of padding mm. all right so in the month of june we see joanne and david like lying on her bed and she says um are you mad that i'm stopping you know the chemo and she's like and he says no and she said nothing shrinking them and then she says she apologizes for how she, all the mean things she said. It's great. Her back yeah. is to him. When so he it's, came out. It's a really nice way of establishing, because on the one hand, they're really close, but she's saying some really hard things to him and her back is to him. So initially we're getting Jesse Plemons's uh, POV, which is that he's just staring at like the small of her back, having this conversation with her that way. It's, it's really, yeah. it's, it's honest. It's yeah. great. Are you scared? I'm sorry for all the mean things I said when you came out. It's, it's okay. Oh, I'm your mother. I want to ask your forgiveness for that whole time. I forgive you. And when you were little, I dropped you and you hit your head on the edge of a table. I think you're fine, but I'm really sorry that I did that. (laughs) It's very bad. (sighs) My wish for you is not to be so stressed. It's not worth it. You can be stressed, 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 and still end up like this. That's a really good photo of me. Yeah, it's pretty. Your mother was a model, David, just so you know. Oh, well. I wish we could just, like, go travel the whole world real quick so you could just see everything. I get to see my whole world at dinner tonight. But she says that um, her wish for him is that he wouldn't be stressed. And I thought, oh, isn't that like such a mom thing to say? Yeah. You know? And um, he mentioned something about like, I wish, you know, you could travel and see everything, like the whole world, just really super fast and before you die. And she says... um, I get to see my whole world at dinner tonight. And I was like, again, I, you know, 
I think if I was younger, I'd be more relating to the younger people in this film. But as a mom, I'm like really more relating to the Molly Shannon character. Sure. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, like if I was dying of cancer, uh, all I would care about is being around the people that I love. Yeah. I wouldn't care about seeing the Eiffel Tower or the pyramids. Like I literally would care less about that. So, because she says all she wanted was to be a mom, like her whole life. And then she got to do that three times. And that's, this was all she ever wanted. And I think it's, it's really, really sweet. So, okay. You don't have any other thoughts? No, no, it's, it's, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. I mean, look, this is a movie about cancer. All right. Um, and it's it's that impossible thing, and I don't feel like I feel like only one movie's really licked it, and it's the obvious choice. And I, and I know people will cringe when they hear me say this because it, it was one of the biggest hits of the '80s. But Terms of Endearment, oh, the James yeah. L. Brooks film, I feel like that's the movie that got it right completely, top to bottom. It's freaking hilarious, but it's also heartbreaking, and it finds the way to mix the two. It's melancholy, it's it's tragic. But it's so funny and it's character driven. I mean, it was the, it was one of the top grossing films of '83. It's one of the biggest hits of its decade. But I do feel like that movie cracked the code when it comes to mm. telling this sort of story. And I just don't feel like anything else has quite come close. Um, and in a sense, this movie wants to be like that. And uh, yeah, there's a number of reasons why I don't think the movie gets close to terms of endearment. And I guess I'll just say really quickly. A lot of self-absorbed characters in this movie. Yes. Yeah. So when we leave the family circle, I'm finding myself in the surrounded by characters I don't know and I don't like. Mm-hmm. I yeah. Okay. I mean, we can kind of explore that as we keep going. Yes. Um, Sorry, please. That's what all month right. are we on now? July. Oh boy. Okay. The family has gone to New York and they go to the Upright Citizens Brigade. Yes. And I guess that's. Um, it's a real thing. Yeah. David's like he's a part of this drama troupe. Mm-hmm. And so Joanne gets called up on the stage. It's a really nice moment where they interview her and then they use her answers in their um their sketch their sketches. And you know, everyone um Could I say though, I mean it Upright Citizens Brigade is, I mean, they have a, you know, reputation like, you know, National Lampoon or SCTV or Lemmings. And this scene really isn't that funny. It did feel a little bit like smaller than that. Like it felt more like a college thing, mm. maybe instead of because they're a professional. Yeah. Professional improv group. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. There's like this scene. I just feel like it really should have killed a lot more. Mm. And it kind of fell flat. I mean, if <laughs> this is not really a good representation of the Upright Citizens Brigade, just isn't. It isn't like. Th- they're hilarious. I've I've seen film footage of them. I've never been to a show. But uh, yeah, this is not their A material. Okay. The scene works because of how Molly Shannon's character is integrated into it. It, it is cool the way it works. But at the same time, I don't know. It's You were underwhelmed. I, 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 I'm always disappointed when I see a movie that has stand-up that's not funny. Yeah. You know? Like other than the Judd Apatow movie, Funny People, you rarely see stand-up in a movie that's actually funny. Mm-hmm. That's um, a problem. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Especially when everyone in the audience is like, oh, they cut to the reaction shots. People are like, you know, spitting out their popcorn. It's like, no, man. 
No. Yeah. I I did like the scene right after that where um, Darcy Carden's character, she's from The Good Place. And oh, that's why. Well. I'm like, who? Like, oh, yeah. what are your favorite shows? Got no, it. no. I just like her as an actress, but. What else? Has she done anything else that I know? Or I don't know. Okay. Sorry. Um, anyways, she's asking David, like, about Joanne. And she's like, she's, she looks great. I mean, is she feeling better? You know? And he's like, well, yeah, because she's not on chemo. Like, oh, was she going to get back on chemo? No. I mean, it's this whole, like, realization that, no, she is dying. And they just had this really amazing night with her. And, like, uh, you know, she just starts kind of tearing up, like, right in front of him. And then this annoying character just, like person and one of the many annoying characters who just show up and well, kind of suck the air out of a scene and it, yeah and it's just like a random person that never comes back again there's too many of those in this movie though yeah and okay the thing i liked about that is it did feel like well, th- this is what happens yes you yeah. know when you're, you're right. you come back from being gone for a while and you're seeing friends and then they see you and they interrupt a moment and so that felt real but so that's fine, but I really would have liked to see where that conversation would have gone had there not been that annoying interruption. So anyways, just like a personal aside. But um, okay, so the family goes to Paul's apartment. Paul is played by Zach Woods, who I love. He's from The Office. He was a late yeah. addition to The Office cast. But oh, he is so fan- I love this actor so much, and he's wonderful in this. Yeah, so they get to the apartment. And it took me a minute. I was like, wait. Is this David's apartment? Oh, they're in New York. Like I had no idea. Yeah, same here. Where same we here. Were yeah. or what Completely was Completely displaced. I yeah. agree. Yeah, they they don't establish that. I'm well. like, are they? They're not in Sacramento. I, okay, okay. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Um, but the whole family goes up except for the dad. Like the dad just stands there. Like I'm not going up there to your apartment, and it's really upsetting. You know. Yeah, it is. And. So Joanne is just all like, well, all right, here we go. I mean, she's, you know what? She's like your mom, my mom, who will just make any situation, no matter how awkward, just like fine. But the great thing that she does, she's like, she knows that her, her dim bulb ex is downstairs and she's like, let's have wine. And like she, they know that he's downstairs. That's not her ex. Really? I was not clear on this. They're actually married? Aren't they still married? I thought there was like, they were like split. Really? Yeah, I'm. I'm probably maybe completely wrong about this, but I thought they. I thought the dynamic was strained that they were split. Oh man, if that's true, I didn't know. I didn't think that was. I could. I could be wrong. They're at the house together all the time. Yeah, because he's agreed to to help out. That's what I thought. I didn't. I mean. Wow. I could be completely wrong about this. Do we need to stop this and like look up the Wikipedia page? We could. <laughs> So pause for an embarrassing moment. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay. We we don't know. <laughs> ah, victory. No. Okay. Here's why I think they're married. Okay. Because Joanne says you have to wait a year before you start dating again. So that would imply that they're married right now. They may be legally married, but I don't think they're living together at this point. He's there all the time at the Yeah, house. because she has cancer and he's helping out. Because he is a religious-minded man who is going to church even though he completely judges his son. I feel like there's something hypocritical about him. But at the same time, he's 
you know, he's doing what he's doing for to look good. Hmm. I don't. All right. I don't think they're together. I, they may be legally married, or they may be putting up appearances for the family, but I don't think they're together. I don't. You think they're just estranged? Yes. Like... Yes. Okay. Well, I okay. I didn't. I didn't get that. And I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we yeah. don't know. Um, all right. But so, uh, you know, by all means, send us letters if if you know, <laughs> if you're Chris Kelly. And by the way, Chris Kelly, I apologize. I know you probably hate this podcast, but uh, yeah, I, I I just didn't know the nature of <laughs> the characters played by Bradley Whitford and Molly Shannon. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, it's, no idea. It is uh, unclear. All right. So, I don't think together. Okay. Anyways, so the family except for the dad is all up in the apartment. And then this is where we get a window into David and Paul's relationship, even though it's over, they have broken up, but they were together for five years. Yeah. So what did you think about the, this scene? I wanted more of this character. This was the one supporting character. I'm like, yes, because he and Plemons are so good together. This it's a long scene of the two of them together um you know they're 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 having they're they're having sex they're having intimate conversation we're actually like really like dialing into this character into into this 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 plot thread i'm like yes please this is this is great and no it's just one scene yeah just one scene yeah yeah i i couldn't like not think of him as the guy from the office i'm sure he gets that a lot (laughs) So it was hard for me to like take him seriously. Oh, I see. Yeah, as like this love interest, you know. I was like, oh, okay. I don't have that problem. Um, but no, I I really liked him and Plemons in this scene so much. But yeah, it just I feel like this should have been an introduction to a character. And and look, I know apparently that that, that of course would have been a problem since this character was in real. If, I mean, if it's if it's anything like real life, then then. You know, because I don't know how true the film is to real life, obviously, because I would know if the protagonist's parents were married or not. But anyway, <laughs> I feel like I feel like I would have liked more Paul, which is what I'm trying to say. And I understand that you can't have more Paul because that's one of the dynamics of the protagonist. He's they're they're not together anymore. And Paul right. is like, we see what a good guy he is that he's willing to put up this charade for for the family, right? Because David isn't telling his family that they broke up at this point i would have yeah i would like more scenes of paul like maybe trying to make it you know get rid of all the other scenes of these secondary third fourth string characters like more of paul we don't you know Mm. because he has good chemistry with plemons and they're they're charming together okay um but he but david is trying to keep up appearances that he's okay he he doesn't want his family to know that he's struggling. So that kind of just, that comes up in the next month, which is August. Um, David is working on a TV script for a network. And then he signs up for okay Cupid because Gabe told him to. And Gabe DMs him right away and is like, just come over to my house. My younger brother, Justin is putting on a birthday party for my dad Oh my gosh, this scene is so weird. It belongs in another movie. It's it's a funny scene, and what's funny, uh, Josie Toda is playing Justin, and it's it's very funny. It's the idea that this very inappropriate cabaret act, if you will, 
that everyone's kind of watching, you know, and boy, do I know this. I mean, like in terms of being in these kind of shows where you have all the friends and neighbors watching you perform, um, nothing. Did I've you, never pre- you did cabaret when you were a young child? No, but I did get <laughs> on stage in front of my neighbors, in front of our neighbors, and we did uh, Chuck Berry and Elvis Presley. Yeah, we've done we've that kind of thing. Um, not not this. This is like I don't even know who the the singer is. It's I like don't a either. yeah, but it's you know like a Lady Gaga or a you know a, a Sia. Yeah, we don't know. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, it, it's it, the character is funny and the scene is funny, but it belongs in another movie, I think. Yeah, and the funny line is because I think we were all thinking it. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, what is this like child doing in this outfit? I was saying, like, could we get arrested for yeah, yeah. watching this? Yeah, which is <laughs> excellent question. Excellent question. But um, that's then um, this is the big Gabe and David scene where David tells. Gabe, I just want my mom to die thinking I'm doing okay. Mm, yeah. And Gabe's mom also died from cancer, so they kind of have that in common. And David says he just wants a moment of clarity where he, like, hears the voice of God and life becomes clear. Um, and so then Gabe kind of tells him about his moment of clarity where his mom says, you know, when I die, I'm going to become a birch tree. And he's like, yeah, now every time I see Birch Tree, I'm like, there's my mom. And, you know, he's like, it wasn't like this spiritual awakening or anything, but it was meaningful to me, you know. And so I don't know. I mean, did you think that that conversation like... No, it felt it felt any... like it felt like an acting piece. It, it felt did. like something you would you, you would do this scene for scene work in acting school. I'm sorry. Like it's it's a well-written scene. But the movie <laughs> does not need it. We don't need these scenes of him talking outside of the situation. The family characters are interesting. The actors are fantastic. It should, I mean, I don't know that I really wanted the movie to even leave the house. And every time it does, it's like, I get it. You don't want to depress the audience and you want to have a little variety to the scenes. But this movie is about a young man dealing uh, dealing in every sense with the death of his mother. We don't need this other stuff, especially because I'm sorry, this other stuff isn't as good as what's happening in that house. Yeah, because then he goes home and his parents are totally high from smoking pot. Or wait, were they smoking or eating edibles? Do you want to stop and look it up? I know. (laughs) Let's go to hightimes.com. Don't know. Oh, man, we're so lame. Um, But then... And all defense, yeah. the first time we'd seen this movie, this yeah. is a completely blind experience. We were both paying attention. I, I, inevitably, there's there's details we missed. But also, again, this film is vague about a lot of things. It is vague. It is. But he finds out that, David finds out that his sisters have been, like, know how to get high too. And so then they're like, do you want to hang out with us? And he, they keep asking him to hang out. And he keeps saying, no, I got to go write. And they're like, you're always writing. So it just seems like... That's all they're there for is to like, yeah, ask him to hang out and him to tell them no. Plot points, yeah, I can't stand this. And again, it's like if they had cast unknowns, fine. The characters will fade into the background, but these are good actresses. Like, give them something more to do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next month is September, and this actually, man, this was really hard. This this part, this scene for me to watch because. This is when David and Joanne go to visit her school. And this is the yeah, first yeah. time we realize, oh, she like can't talk above a whisper now. 
I don't know, something happened with her vocal cords. Maybe it's obviously the cancer, but I don't know how, but because she has a very rare, aggressive form of cancer. And so she's sitting around this table with all of her teacher friends, and she's trying to tell them, the new teacher who's taken over her classroom, like about a new student. And it's a funny story about a student doing show and tell and having a dead chicken in his backpack and all this stuff. And the, this teacher, she's like, I'm sorry, what, what? I I didn't quite catch that. What what are you saying? You know, it's so awkward. Yeah. (laughs) And I kept waiting for David to jump in and tell the story, but he never does. Yeah. And another teacher has to do it. And I thought it was like, I thought it was a bad character choice to not have him tell the story. But the film, thankfully, Plemons really has a lot to play in the third act of this movie. The character finally gets angry. The character finally breaks down. The character finally stops being so introverted. And, you know, we, we finally get a sense of the rage within him, the frustration. It's such a relief because Plemons is a terrific actor and he's doing great things here. But the character is just so hard to engage with because he's barely engaging with anybody in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we have um, the month of October and the dad takes the kids out to eat. Like, look, mom's body is shutting down. You know, do you have any questions? And, you know, he, the dad's kind of ask. I guess you're right. Like, the dad is asking them random questions. Like, he never sees them. Mm-hmm. So, um. I don't know. He says, he's just talking about like, how's your writing going? And did you get that script? You know, it's just always about his writing. You can make the argument that like the scene early on where the family is listening to mom break down because she doesn't want any more chemo. It's like, we're looking at this experience, this memory from the protagonist, and we're seeing it with all the limitations and understanding that he has in that moment without context. So I, I just feel like there's there should be a lot more context here because if we had more context, all of this would feel so much more immediate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they so they're in the car, and this is where we keep hearing the song "Drops of Jupiter" by Train. Yeah, and it's like. Why? Why this song? <laughs> yeah. I, do, you, I, do you do you get it? Were you annoyed? I was really annoyed. I, I so my dear friend Carrie, who I've known for over twenty years, she adores this song. She adores that band, and this is it's just one of those things. I mean, you know, I think the only band I like less than Train is probably Creed. Oh yeah. Don't, don't, no, stop. Yeah, don't, I can't stand Creed. Don't do your Creed impression. Okay, but it's really good though. No. But uh, anyway, yeah, I, I thought it was funny that the film acknowledged how annoying it is, but then it circles back around and tries to use it in a poignant way. Like, no, don't do it. I know. And I'm like, okay, these lyrics, I, I can see why the lyrics kind of make sense, but the song is too much. It's really not good. There's just, I mean, there's a, there's a, um, there's that song that was really popular, not around that time, um, the Breakfast at Tiffany's song. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible, but it was also <laughs> similar thing. It's catchy, it's pleasant. You could hear it in an elevator, or you know, being wheeled in a hospital gurney. It's like just one of these songs that was just ubiquitous, and it's it's just fine. 
<laughs> and there's nothing worse than pop music that is just fine. It's just yeah. okay. Yeah. You hear it in an elevator. You can hear it on the commute to work. That's how I feel about this song. When it comes on the radio, I change the I, yeah, channel. I, that's I'm a not, quick dial switch I am for me. not listening to this song yeah. ever. Like, I mean, you and I were recently talking about Celine Dion. Like, I really love Celine Dion. But when I hear that pan flute... When I know it's the Titanic song, yeah, I no. immediately turn the channel. We're done. Because I'm not, I'm not doing that again. No. I lived through 1997, <laughs> through 1999, where that song was on the radio every day, all the time. Not doing it. Not doing it. Okay, so then then we get to see David go on an OK Cupid date where... Uh, it's a scene for another movie, folks. It's, it's, it, this is material for a different film. Yeah. I mean, he's like drunk on wine. This guy looks like... I can't believe I'm on a date with this uh, with this guy, and he leaves it to throw up in the bathroom, and it's just like okay, I don't really know why he didn't eat anything. I think that's why he threw up. He was just too drunk it's on a, wine. It's a scene out of a Seth Rogen movie. It just it doesn't belong here. It's it's dead weight. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he he leaves this terrible date, and his dad's like, hey. Uh, you're probably at the gym <laughs> boxing. <laughs> Can you go pick up some toilet paper and laxatives? And so he goes, and this is where he just breaks down I like inside a of a CVS. Yeah, yeah. He's, he has the toilet paper and he can't find the laxatives anywhere. And he's just like, effing Tylenol. I don't want that. Like, he's just. Finally, he sits down in the aisle and he's kind of crying. And this, he bur- finally allows himself to have a breakdown. Yeah, unfortunately, it's in a scene. Unfortunately, it's in public, but yeah. thankfully, there's like one lady there who works there to see him. But she's like, "It's right here, right in front of you." And she hands him the box. She's like, "Hope you feel better." <laughs> and the character finally shakes himself awake, and Plemons has more to play than he's been playing before, and it's it's great. It's like okay, like we're finally. We're finally connecting with yeah, this guy. Yeah, in like the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I get it. We need a character arc. I understand that. But yeah, there's just too much vagueness in this film. And yeah. and finally, we get some real clarity. Because the scene that comes right after this with Plemons and, and Bradley Whitford is wonderful. Yeah, because the family's at church. And then him and his dad are out in the courtyard. And they finally kind of have it out with each other well he david has it out with his dad but um i don't know what you think of that scene it's great no it's great i mean again the whitford character needs more development yeah and we should you know because because i get it because it's a lived-in situation where because, you know, in real life, you don't go, well, Dad, I've never forgiven you for that time you went to Tijuana and bought that gun without a license. Like, no, you don't do that in real life. Like, there's unspoken stuff. I get it. I understand. I do. I, I really understand how life works and no, how that movies work. Been, I wish he would have said that. No, I'm just kidding. Better film? Maybe. Let's Google it. Let's see if that was in the original screenplay. No, but, but you know... But I, I get it. I do. Because like, there's a way to write these sort of scenes. And, you know, by telling too much, you really do get the sense like, okay, the, you know, the screenwriters, it's just yeah. exposition. The screenwriters just talking to the audience. So the less said is usually the better with most movies. But this is a dialogue and character driven film. And because, again, like you've got these wonderful actors, like you want them to say more because you want to know more about them. So... 
in a, in a sense, it, it is. I still feel like an audience member that I'm at. I'm at the party where I haven't been properly introduced to everybody. Even this late in the film, I'm still feeling that. But these two actors are really giving it. The scene has heft to it, and 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 it's such a relief to see Plemons get to play something other than you know, Mopey. Uh, yes. Listen, um, if you want to invite him to dinner sometime, that, that'd be... Paul? Paul, yeah. We broke up. So you're too late. I'm s- I, di- I didn't know you... I didn't know you broke up. I, I was... God! I, I just wanted to... Oh, God! We were together five years, and he can come to dinner now? David, I just What is to... this? What? You and I bought diapers together for her today. We sat with the hospice and picked up medicine together. I, I've been living with you in your house for, for 10 months, and it's been good because I, I, I keep thinking, oh, I, I like the way he's helping mom, or... Maybe he's getting more accepting, but then it's like you won't even come up to my apartment whenever we're in New York. It's like this one little thing, and, and you won't do it. You won't. I'm gonna be 30 years old, and mom's gonna be dead, and then what? Um, are we gonna be closer then? Like, um, do I still come home, or, or what? Because I, 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 I want to. Home. I want to want to. But it's just, it's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. And I will not be nervous saying he or boyfriend around you anymore because it sucks. His dad's like, he's like, I just want to be able to talk to you. He's like, well, if you, if you know, I'm always up for in a debate. And I was like, ooh, because <laughs> he's like, my life isn't up for a debate. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm 30 years old. Like, this is, this is how it is. You know, and it just kind of reminded me of like every kind of no matter what, where you are in your life, there is that moment you have with a parent and it's usually a dad. I don't know. Don't you think it's usually a dad? These kind of moments? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's also with mom. I've had those moments with my mom. Yeah. Yeah. But (laughs) where you're like, look, I know how you feel about X, Y, or Z and that's fine, but I'm doing this, you know? And it's like you just have to come to like this understanding that they may not agree with you, but it doesn't really matter anymore. Hmm. You know, like you're you're gonna you're going your own way, like you're your own person now. Like they don't have that like control over you. Yes. Mom, anymore. I'm going to clown college and you can't stop me, mom. <laughs> I know you've told me not to, but I'm going. I'm going after my dreams. Yeah. But it's like that, you know, that's a part of growing up where you have to separate yourself and like you say like well for better or for worse this is what i'm doing right you know and then the parent has to say okay well i love you no matter what i'm always gonna love you i mean and the dad never says that Mm -hmm. do you think he feels that i mean we don't really know no idea yeah we don't really know are these even his kids we don't know (laughs) that's true we don't we We have no idea are these biological children no clue yeah right we don't even know anything but i it's nice to see david just like 
say all the things he's been wanting to say yes. instead of just like, well, I just hope they think I, I hope they, I want mom to die knowing I'm okay and no, no one's ever going to know me or anything like that. It's yeah. like, well, that's no way to live, you know? It feels like this, it's depressing. This is where the film is really finding its footing, though, because there's no more this tiptoeing around this stuff. It's great. It's I, I felt like, OK, like I was really leaning forward, like, good. Like, we're not just going through the melodrama like this. This right. is where, you know, th- this is a movie that certainly I mean, it, it could very well have been transcribed from, uh, you know, from a diary. It It, it does have. Because it, even you know even the scenes that I'm describing that I don't like because I feel they're sort of narratively malnourished they're they are emotionally very strong, but yeah and the the last the the last handful of scenes in this movie I think are everything they should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then we see um, we see Joanne fall down and yeah, you know David goes and picks her up and and they're sitting on the bed and she just says like I. I I feel so embarrassed. Like I, I'm tired. I'm you know she's telling him she's ready to go basically, and she says, um, "I want you to, like, be with your sisters. Like, take care of your sisters. Like, that's all that matters." She keeps saying it. Like, that's all that matters is you being a big brother to them. And um, I think as a mom, I think that's you know you want your kids to. I mean, we only have one, but I think if she did have siblings, I mean, obviously you want them to band together, you know, you want them to, you know, support each other because yeah. you're not going to be around, you know, to make sure that they have that. And she, she wants them to be close. So that's like her final wish. And I feel like that's an appropriate like thing to say instead of how you want your funeral to go. Again, my unpopular opinion. <laughs> Such a controversial episode. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about that scene? It's great. It's great. I mean, it, you know, it's funny because he basically has kind of the same conversation twice with both parents. Mm. And, he, you know, he brings up the whole thing of, you know, explaining that he's not with Paul anymore. And she says, I know. And it's great. Yes. Because you don't need more. She doesn't need to say more than that. Of course she knows. Of course she figure that out of course you know whether she knew it when she visited or whether she knew long before then it's it's just wonderful that it, it comes out that way and the film doesn't even follow up with that yeah and he says my you know my script didn't get picked up and she's like i know <laughs> i mean it's your mom moms always know it's good to be blunt um yeah yeah i mean even from personal experience i've had those kind of conversations with relatives who i knew weren't going to be around for much longer i don't want to say much more than that but um yeah, yeah. I, I do like that quality in this scene because that's that's very real mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's you know then we go back to the beginning which is her death this scene. harrowing opening scene yeah. yeah yeah and you know the body's being taken away and you know, the final scene is the sisters in the bed and the dad is like on the ground and everyone's sleeping. And then David goes in and lays down like next to his dad. And it's just kind of like him physically showing like, Hey, I'm still going to be a part of this family. I'm going to make an effort to be here. 
Yeah, it's so powerful. And then Chris Kelly brings Train back into the equation. And then drops, drops of Jupiter, Jupiter man. Like, oh, no. You're going to end on that? No. The end credits? Oh, God, <laughs> no. Not that. <laughs> and then, listeners, as if it couldn't get any worse, because, like, I'm serious. I'm very moved by the ending of the film, despite the fact that the soundtrack is, like... Yeah, I mean, I was crying at the end, but this song really was, like... You know what the song stop. is? It's one of those songs that used to have these CD compilations. You remember? It was like, now this is what I yes. call music. This is, yes. like... It, it was on every single one of those. Anyway, so... The, the music is playing and it's really undercutting like how I'm feeling about this movie. Well, I'm you know I'm one of these guys who always watches the end credits. I do. Not it doesn't matter whether there's a stinger at the end or not. I always do. But like the end credits of this movie, suddenly we're like maybe 15 seconds into the end credits, and suddenly you know because we're watching this on Netflix, this little thing comes up and says John Wayne Gacy tapes preview in 10 seconds countdown. Oh, oh man, Barry was so ticked, you guys. Yeah, I used all sorts of profanity. I'm just like, you jerks. Yeah. Let me have this moment of reflection and being moved by this film. And you're going to show a trailer for a documentary about this serial killer. You monsters. Yeah. At, le- at least Hulu gives you the option to watch the entire end credits. I don't think Netflix does. It's so they, They've always been so tone deaf about these things because, on the because you know, here I am, you know, we're watching this this this. You know, it's not a it's not a children's film, obviously, but it's a family drama about cancer. And then they're going to have a you know a trailer for the serial killer movie. On the other hand, I remember like a year or two ago, I'd be watching whatever it is, The Power of the Dog or Roma, like some you know Oscar bait movie on Netflix. And then they show like they would cut in the middle of the of the end credits, they would show us the trailer to the sequel to the movie where Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see this. I'm not going to watch it Netflix, and I don't want to see the trailer. <laughs> oh man, see, this is why DVDs will always like always be better. king in our house. It stinks that DVDs like have these trailers you have to fast forward through, but still, you know, you can pause it, you go back. I don't know. I just I, I prefer it's better than having the end credits interrupted. No kidding. Yeah, because as I always say to my students, it's like, you know what? Watch the end credits. You know why? Because there are hundreds, if not thousands of artists that worked on this movie. Read their name. Be, you know, learn who the best boy is. Do it. Like, like, you know, it's it's not just one person. Come on. Nobody's reading all the names. I read the names. I mean, not when it's a special effects movie. When it's like this special effects house and there's like 40,000 people. No, I don't read that. But in this case, like, I want to know where it was filmed. Well, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I want to know who played whatever. And I love it when they're like, Rex the dog was played by Scruffy. <laughs> I do read the end credits. Yeah. And I would have liked to have read the end credits, but they're about to put a trailer for a serial killer documentary. I'm like, no, no, no Netflix. No. So, all right. Well, how many stars would, do you give this? I'm not a huge fan of this movie because it's such a Sundance movie. And it literally premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. This is one of those movies where they call it an indie, but it's like it's got a got a handsome budget. Everybody in the cast is a celebrity or or, you know, a renowned film or stage or a television actor. And it's a comedy, but it deals with real issues. It's just oh, these movies. And, and like there's great films that come out of the Sundance Film Festival, but it's also... It's like if this movie had an unknown cast and you never heard of this writer-director, it probably never would have gotten this sort of platform. There's just too many movies like Juno or uh, I'm thinking of other films like The Dangerous Lives of Alter Boys or um, what was the other one? Uh, The United States of Leland. These movies that just like 
they've got this pedigree because there's famous people in them and they're indies, but like they're released by Fox Searchlight. Ten years ago, this would have been a Fox Searchlight movie. And ten years before that, it would have been a Miramax film. So I just, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I want to like I want to embrace this film as a work that comes from the agony of Chris Kelly, and I re- I really respect that I really do, and the performances are outstanding. Molly Shannon, in particular, her scenes are so fantastic, but I just don't feel like the screenplay is great. I don't. I I've, I think if it had been a great screenplay, this would have been a great film. But I think I think there's greatness in it, so I'll I'll cop out and say it's a good film. So that's two and a half stars for me. Oh wow. I feel like that's very generous from what you've been saying. Yeah, you know, and it's, again, like it's, I just feel like this could have been a better film, and I just I feel like it's not completely there. The material is strong, the the performances are strong, but uh, yeah, man, that that script is just it's got too many things where like yeah, this feels like a first script. Mm-hmm. This needed some more drafts. This needed some more work, and the fact that it has all this fancy pedigree is the reason why it premiered at Sundance. And, you know, the people are seeing it. Hmm. So I I feel like it has an unfair advantage. I'm giving it like one and a half stars. Really? Whoa. Yeah. Because it drops Jeopardy. That is part of it. Um, And my favorite scenes are with Molly Molly Shannon. Yeah, me too. I, I, when they, yeah, like you, when they kind of stray away from that and into kind of, I don't know, like the bar scene, the scene with that little boy dancing. There's just like the OK Cupid date, like Gabe. Like there's too many things where I'm like, who cares about? Well, who cares? They're they're really not well defined. And again, like they feel like material that he should have saved for another film, not this one. Even if these are all the stuff, all the things that happened to him during this span of all these months. Now you kept you keep that to yourself. Focus on the family. Because because yeah. because the, the family is fascinating, it is fascinating. Because and like th- think of all the things we we don't know. Are the parents together? Who are the sisters? The grandparents were funny. It would have been nice to have more of them. Yeah, they're just it's it's just you know it's it's an actor's exercise for June Squibb and Paul Dooley. They're funny in that one scene. They live in a trailer, I guess. I have no idea. Yeah, they're who are, probably, again. Who are they? Yeah, we don't know. I mean. They're probably like like my grandparents who like rented an RV for a while just like for the fun of it. It's just like those movies that appeared in like the early aughts when it's like Catherine Keener plays the mom or or Mark Ruffalo plays the brother and you're just like I love these actors but they're they're playing ideas. They're not really playing fully formed people. Mhm. Yeah. That drives me crazy. And my gosh, uh, the title. So <laughs> Let's talk about this He's title. going back to this. Oh, no, man. Like, I mean, ser- seriously, writers, if there's any writers still listening, thank you. Um, look, a title is important, okay? It's really important. I mean, in this case, like, it's... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about what it means. Yeah, because at one point, because I think he says, like, yeah, this is something that happens to other people, like... And he's like... Okay. And Gabe says, you are other people to other people. It's like, oh, okay, you said the title four times. And then later on, it's like, having sex with other people would be healthy. And then one of the sisters says, other people are sad too. And still other people, no. 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 
Name it after your mother. Like, like there's all sorts of things. Use one of the lines of uh, one of the verses of of drops of Jupiter. Call it drops of Jupiter. <laughs> Fine. Fine movie, but don't call it other people. No wonder this movie completely slipped by. And oh, I, even when we were talking about like, what are the movies we're watching for this, you know, that, that your brother gave us. And I kept forgetting the title of well, I'm this like, one. What's, what's the Molly Shannon film? Because that's yeah. the one Marty's like, oh, you got to see the, like, she's amazing. And, and yeah, and Marty, she, you're right. She is. Incredible. She's the, the best movie, thing about this movie. And to be clear, like, like, you know, I have a lot of respect for this film. I don't like the film. I won't watch it again, but I have a lot of respect for it. If it gets seen at all, and it absolutely should be seen at least once, it's because Molly Shannon is sensational in this. It is mm-hmm. it is a devastating, dramatic performance. She is incredible. She more than deserved the Best Supporting Actress Award at the Indie Spirit Awards. It's a shame this film is completely overlooked, but it's called Other People. Yeah. So kind of a forgettable title. Okay. Anything else before we wrap this up? No, I mean, what are we like? What ending? What like? I mean, how many times? <laughs> what alternate ending? The mom doesn't die. Well, that's the thing. Like I've seen, <laughs> and I won't name them because I don't want anybody looking into. It, but like, I've seen movies like we're in remission, everything's good. Like it ends like a cancer movie ending with a happy ending. Yeah, I've seen that happen a few times. And the thing is, but the, like, think about that. I mean, it, it's awful because like no matter what you do, it's like do you. Do the characters live to the end or is there, you know, Yeah. it's like either way you lose. It's just movies about one of the most horrible, horrible, horrifying things that could happen to a person. It's, it's a hard, it's so hard to pull these things up. And again, I feel like I know it was 1983, but I feel like Terms of Endearment is the only movie that really got this. Go see Terms of Endearment and then go see other people. (laughs) And then you tell us what you like more. Yes. Yeah. And if you know the nature of Bradley Whitford's character, uh, please uh, yeah. send us Are a, they together? We don't know. I don't think they are. I think I think they I think still they're strange. Are. I think they're legally married, but I don't I don't even think they live in the same place. Wow. Yeah. Again, if we But if, we don't know. If he wasn't like I don't know, going on meaningless okay cupid dates that add nothing to the story, maybe we would know. And to and, and to be clear, because like seriously, there's a lot of respect I have for this film, even though it just didn't connect with me for a lot of reasons. But like anybody listening to this, go to IMDB, look at Chris Kelly's body work. It's amazing. He's a great writer and I'd love I'd love to see him write and direct again. This is a first film. Mm-hmm. All right. Well that wraps up our conversation of other people. Good night everyone. <laughs> <laughs>